Yeah, I kind of did most of it. I hope you guys enjoyed that exercise. Come back. Hi. Um, no, I, now I, I love movies. Okay, I, I um, absolutely love movies. I'm pretty sure that many of you do, uh, judging by your response to that question. And one of the reasons why I love movies is because, well, movies uh, kind of take you to another world, doesn't it? Um, and so if I was a character in a movie, it would be so, so awesome if I could be part of the Star Wars universe. Um, and uh, in fact, just a couple of months ago, I had the opportunity to do just that, at least for 60 minutes. Because as you may or may not know, uh, the Powerhouse Museum had been running this Star Wars exhibition called Identities. Um, um, and one of the coolest things about this exhibition is that you get to create your very own Star Wars character and uh, with your very own Star Wars name. And as you can imagine, as you can imagine, like the Star Wars fanboy in me went totally berserk. Um, and so, this is, this is me. Okay, so as you can see, um, I'm a Wookiee, uh, just like Chewbacca. And for some unexplainable reason, I gave myself a robot name, AT2T. It sounds like R2D2, doesn't it? Um, uh, anyway, had a lot of fun. Now, I think many people, uh, maybe you included, this idea of being a character in a movie is very appealing. Now think about this for a moment. Movies and novels are essentially stories, aren't they? And stories in its most basic form have a storyline, a, a plot, a, an end goal, which drives the story from start to finish. And so for many people, being a character in a movie um, is actually really appealing because no longer are you just a random person going about your own business in a purposeless universe but instead, you're a character with a name. You're a character playing your part in the storyline. Now, just a, uh, a couple of weeks ago, back in week eight, um, I had a conversation with a student on the alumni green. Uh, and this student identified himself to be an atheist. Uh, he told me that he doesn't believe in God. And he believes that the material universe that we see and that we all live in, uh, guided by the, the blind forces of nature is pretty much all there is. Now, this view of reality is very common uh, today, uh, so I'm not surprised if even some of you here might hold to this. But if this is true, if my friend is correct that God does not exist, and we live in a universe that has no ultimate meaning or purpose, then it logically follows, doesn't it? That everything that we do, we think it's good or bad, whether it's uh, saving people or killing people, objectively speaking, is ultimately pointless. Because it never had a point in the first place. And my friend actually agreed with me on this. He said to me um, that he believes that all reality is ultimately pointless. So he's consistent with his beliefs. But, however, if God does exist, as Christians believe, then that makes a world of difference. Because no longer is this world that we live in devoid of purpose and meaning. But instead, it is one that is well, was created with a purpose and end goal. In fact, if Christianity is true, if Christianity is true, the Bible tells us that there is a storyline to this world. And each of us 
are characters in God's grand story. Dare I say a story even better than Star Wars. And I speak as a Star Wars fan. Now for three weeks, um, starting today, uh, and going to week 12, I'll be giving three talks from the book of Ephesians in the Bible. And as you can see in your handout, the title of this teaching series is called Belonging, uh, Finding Your Place in an Ever-Confusing World. Now I think uh, for many of us, uh, the world that we're living in, in many ways, does not feel like God's world because it is full of evil, pain, and suffering, just like that video that we just saw in Prudence's story. And so I'm hoping that the book of Ephesians uh, would give us new glasses to see the world. Not rose-coloured glasses that simply gloss over evil, pain, and suffering, but rather reality glasses by which the God of the Bible wants you to see the world. Glasses that offer a perspective of reality that even those things, as bad as they are, even pain, evil, pain, and suffering are part of God's story. And yet God has a final solution in Jesus. And so I'm hoping that after this talk and after this, this series of talks, you will walk away seeing how you can fit into the story. Now in today's talk, we'll just be looking at the first chapter, chapter 1 of Ephesians. Uh, it is a chapter that shows us what blessing it is to know Jesus in God's storyline. So for this talk, for today's talk, I'm really going to focus on two things. Uh, number one, uh, what are God's blessings to us in Jesus? And number two, what should, uh, uh, you know, how, should, how do we receive these blessings? What should our response be? Okay, so here we go. Uh, what are God's blessings to us in Jesus? Now, it wasn't too long ago when um, uh, I had a membership card Okay, for the Powerhouse Museum. Uh, in fact, it was a household uh, membership that we had. So me and my wife and my two kids, uh, we can all take advantage of the many, many privileges of being a member. Now, unfortunately, our membership has just expired and we haven't renewed it yet. Uh, but believe me, uh, we made sure that we put it to good use when it was still active. Uh, for example, we were given uh, cheap discounts uh, to see special exhibitions, just like that Star Wars exhibition uh, that I just told you about. But that's not all. Uh, having membership also meant that we had free entry to the general exhibition as well as the members area. And, as, uh, and on top of that, as well as entry to partner organisations like the Sydney Observatory, uh, Questacon in Canberra, and many other kind of museums and even art galleries around Australia. And not to mention cheap $15 all-day parking at the Novotel across from Building 6. All these privileges just by simply being a member of the powerhouse. Now, in a similar way, being a member of Jesus Christ, so to speak, being a Christian means you have access to a vast array of privileges. And you can see this list of privileges beginning verse 4 all the way down to verse 14 in today's Bible passage, which, by the way, in the original language is one very long sentence. But before we get into that, how about we first take a look at verse 3, printed in your handouts. Okay. Uh, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now pay attention to how the Apostle Paul, who wrote these words, wants to emphasize God's blessing uh, that we have in Christ. Notice in verse 3, he uses the, the word blessed twice here. We are blessed with spiritual blessings. And not just a few but, uh, spiritual blessings, but every spiritual blessing. So what are they? Well, let's have a look 
at each of these, beginning in verse 4. So let's, uh, let, let me read uh, verse 4 to 6. Um, it's also up in the screen. Uh, okay. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Now in these uh, three verses we can see three ways in which God has blessed people who follow Jesus. The first of these blessings takes place even before we were even born. As a matter of fact, even before the universe was born, before time, before the beginning of time, God already had a, a plan to choose a special population of people for himself. Um, out of the pool of the entire human race that was to come, God chose people to become his special people. So that's why you see uh, here words such as, uh, he chose us. And, and also he predestined us here. Now the nature of God's choosing, God's predestination, how that actually works is a very debated topic within uh, Christian theology. And uh, we definitely don't have the time uh, to get into that today. Um, but we, you know, it's probably something that we can talk about uh, after, uh, afterwards uh, at lunch. But what's interesting is the Apostle Paul who wrote these words, neither does he uh, get into the details of how God's choosing actually works. Uh, more, imp- more important to him is the fact that God is one who took the initiative in choosing a special people for himself rather than, rather than us, um, you know, having earned our spot by choosing God first. But also notice in this passage that election isn't the end God, but rather God elected us towards something. Okay, God elected us towards something, uh, towards a goal. In verse 4, we read that God chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. In verse 5, it says um, that we are predestined for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Those are the end goals. But what do they mean? Well, first, we should take note of the words. The words holy and blameless are well, they're essentially descriptions of moral character, aren't they? The word holy uh, is primarily used to describe God's moral perfection, God's moral excellence. In fact, God is the standard by which everything must measure up to. Uh, and if that's true, well, then that's really bad news for us, isn't it? Because if we're really honest with ourselves, uh, you and I would really admit that uh, we are far from perfect people. If God is all the way up here, then we would certainly be all the way down here, wouldn't we? But as many of you know, uh, that wasn't always the case. That wasn't always the case because when God created the world, the Bible tells us, he created humans to be holy and blameless just like him. Okay, we were up here with God and everything in the world was very good and hashtag blessed. However, as we keep reading on the story, the story takes a bit of a dark turn. Our first ancestors said no to God. We don't want you to be our standard. Uh, you know, we, we don't want you to be our boss. Thank you very much, God. And because of that, the whole humanity fell into moral chaos, which the Bible calls sin. And sin is the opposite to being holy and blameless. And because of sin, God's world lost its blessing and became cursed. Cursed with things like evil, pain, and suffering, and ultimately death. 
But there is good news. And the good news is God doesn't want the story to end there. I mean, if it was a, if it was a movie, I'm sure we all want our money back if the story just ended there because the story would suck. But as the story unfolds, we learn that God's mission was to reverse that curse and bring blessing back into the world. And how does he do that? Well, God does that through his main character in the story, the hero and the one perfect man, Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that Jesus and only Jesus is holy and blameless through and through. And so if God is up here, Jesus is up there with him, holy and blameless. And friends, here's the good news. If you're a member of Jesus, if you're a Christian, you get the special privilege of being with God, with Jesus up here, be holy and blameless. Not because you're good, but because Jesus is good. And you get to partake in his goodness. Sounds almost too good to be true, doesn't it? But that is why we read in verse 4, For he chose us in him to be holy and blameless. But the good news doesn't end there. Because the Bible also describes Jesus as the Son of God. And therefore, through Jesus, we also receive the blessing of sonship. Okay, so maybe we'd, yeah, through Jesus, we also receive the blessing of sonship. Now, unlike Jesus, we get adopted into God's family. But just like Jesus, we can call God our Father. Now, that doesn't blow your mind. I don't know what does. Because that means we can relate to God, not just as Lord and Master, but Dad. We can pray to Him as our Dad. Have you ever thought about this before? Like, if you're a Christian, and you have a direct phone line to the Creator of the universe... You can talk to him directly without going through his secretary. Not that he has a secretary or needs one, but I'm saying this because there are some Christian traditions that teach that it's not good enough to pray to God directly, but you need to go through, you know, uh, you need to also pray to the saints in order to really get to God. But that, my friends, is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says nothing about praying to saints or anything like that, but rather through Jesus, we can have direct access to God, our Heavenly Father. Anyway, let's carry on. Um, so let, let me read from verse 7, okay, which is also up on the screen. Uh, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. So here again we see the same phrase. In him, in Jesus, there is the blessing of redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. It was just a month ago, wasn't it, when we had Easter. And uh, a couple of days after that, uh, we had another public holiday. Anzac Day, yes, if you remember. Um, <clears throat> uh, in fact, it was actually kind of makes sense that UTS, UTS actually made the, the week Shuvak, right? Because it's so close to each other. Now, these two public holidays are often very close uh, to each other on the Australian calendar. Uh, in fact, I believe only a couple of years ago, both Anzac Day and Easter were on the same weekend. Uh, it overlapped on that same weekend. Now, I don't know if you ever realise this, but Anzac Day is a little bit like an Easter, isn't it, if you think about it? And therefore, it is particularly striking when they do overlap. Anzac Day is a yearly reminder about the many men and women who have laid down their own lives for the service of this country lives given up sacrificially for the sake of others, for us, so that we may be free from the oppression of foreign powers, 
a freedom that I guess many of us would just simply take for granted. Easter, on the other hand, is also another yearly reminder, isn't it? Easter reminds us of the death of Jesus on the Good Friday. The Bible tells us that Jesus willingly laid down his life for, as a sacrifice for the sake of others, for the sake of us, so that we may have the freedom from our sins. So that's why in verse 7 it says, In Jesus, we have redemption uh, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And so the death of Jesus is the channel by which we are made holy and blameless, as we just talked about in verse 4. Jesus' blood has washed away the filthiness of our sin, and we are made as white as snow. That's why Good Friday is called Good Friday, isn't it? Because it is good for us. But you know what? What's better than Good Friday? What's more good than Good Friday? Well, it's Easter Sunday. Because on the first Easter Sunday, Jesus came back to life from the dead, and thereby reversing the curse of death. And not only that, he opened up a new way of blessing. A new way of blessing. That, and Jesus invites everyone who is willing to listen to his message to join him in entering into this brand new world of blessing where one day evil, pain and suffering would be a thing of the past. And just like any good movie or story, this would be the happily ever after moment. Now this leads us uh, to my second and final point, which I'll keep really short. Uh, so what should our response be? How do we receive these blessings? Well, how can you fit into the story? Now today, if you're uh, somebody who is not yet a follower of Jesus, uh, maybe this question you, know, you might be thinking. Okay, this might be the question you might be thinking. Okay, so how do I become a follower of Jesus? Well, I think verse 13 gives us the answer to that question. Uh, verse 13 on your handout says, uh, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believe, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. So how do you become a Christian? Well, verse 13 says, When you hear this message about Jesus and believe. And believe. That's how you get to be included in Christ. So that means no matter how far you've walked away from God, the Bible calls you to turn back. Turn back to Him by trusting in His Son, Jesus. And the great news is at the moment when you do turn to Jesus, verse 13 says that you will be marked with a permanent seal, like a tattoo on your skin. It marks you as a member of Christ. But it is not a tattoo that is written with ink with perishable ink, but rather one that was written by God's eternal spirit who will always be with you in guaranteeing, guaranteeing the blessing of eternal life that starts now. Now, for the rest of you who are already followers of Jesus, Ephesians chapter 1 invites you to live a life of praise and thanksgiving to God, doesn't it? Now, notice how many times the word praise appears in this passage, especially the, the phrase, the praise of his glory appears three times in the space of ten lines and ten verses. Um, living a life of praise and thanksgiving uh, to God, uh, believe it or not, actually makes you a better person to be around with. And why is that? Well, because your life uh, has now has meaning and purpose and also the blessing of eternity to look forward to. So even if, God forbid, you die tonight, you'll be absolutely certain that you're in safe hands 
through Jesus Christ. Now that would uh, make you a more joyful person, wouldn't it? And also a more loving person too, because you also want to bless others in as much as God has blessed you. So in summary, how do you fit into God's story? Well, if you know that there's only one hero in the story, it makes sense to follow him. So let's pray. Uh, Dear God, thank you for the saving message of Jesus. Please help us to turn from our sin and turn to Jesus in trust and belief. Amen.